Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. Welcome to the Metron Live podcast, coming to you live from uh, Atlanta. Uh, welcome everybody. Hey, Metron people, would you please welcome the podcast people? Hello, hello, hello. Hey, y'all, come on in. Uh, we're finishing up our series today um, called Spirit World Realities on Earth as it is in Heaven. And this is, uh, this is part four. And I want to go back and uh, refer to this um, sort of anchor scripture. But let me give you... Um, I'm going to look at it in a couple of other translations today and reiterate why I'm using this scripture so much. Um, you know, the original apostles were handpicked by Jesus when he was, when he was Jesus, when he was in the body. And um, at that time, Saul of Tarsus, I don't even know that he was even aware of Jesus. Uh, at, at that point, I don't know. I know that after, um, after the resurrection, he singled handedly took it upon himself to stamp out Christianity. But during Jesus' lifetime, I'm not sure exactly, I don't know what the age differential was, but um, I don't remember ever reading that Paul was aware of Jesus during Jesus' 33 years as a physical man. Um, But because his apostleship was uh, by the Spirit, you know, not only did um, Saul, his, you know, his name was Saul, God changed it to Paul. Not only did he not ever uh, meet Jesus in the flesh, he wasn't, his uh, call to the apostleship was very unconventional. Uh, we read in Acts chapter 9 that he was on the road to Damascus. He was on his one-man crusade to destroy Christianity. I don't know that I don't know that he actually had anybody martyred. We're not really clear on that. He definitely had people imprisoned. He definitely had people harassed. He definitely bullied people because he thought that the Jesus cult was, you know, wrong. And, um, young, come on in. Um, but, uh, while he was on the road to, uh, Damascus, uh, the scripture says that a bright light shone out of heaven and knocked him to the ground. And a light, well, it was Jesus, because the the light speaks to him and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like Jesus took it personally. And he was struck blind, and um, uh, the voice goes on to say, go on into Damascus. There's a man named Ananias who's going to come and meet you, and he's going to pray for you to receive your sight. And indeed, that did happen. So Paul's... um, entry to the apostleship was very different than the original ones. And you know how that is when, you you know, there's a group of people who did it one way and then somebody comes along and they're very unconventional and all the original people are saying, you're not doing it right. That's not the way, that's not the way we became an apostle. And so for the rest of Paul's journey, he was kind of in this um, mode of having to defend his apostleship. He, you know, the, those guys never sort of uh, accepted it. Um, I know I've told you this before, but I had dinner last night with somebody who I assumed had heard me say this before. They were telling me about this, some author that said, did you, said exactly what I'm saying right now. And they said, I never heard that before. And I said, I say that all the time, but okay. Uh, so you never know. 
in case you didn't know, some something happened to my arm too. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, he spent the rest of his life with them, trying to sort of convince them that he was one of them. Uh, of course, he didn't sort of do it the right way because instead of sort of um, appeasing the apostles and saying, I want to be like you guys, he doesn't go to Jerusalem. He goes to Arabia of all places. We're, we're still not exactly sure where that came from, but they definitely interpreted it as him sort of giving them the appendage. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't need you guys to approve of me and to show you I'm going to, and I don't mean he just went for a weekend. He stayed there for three years. He basically said, I don't want any of the information you have about Jesus. I don't want to hear it from you because the, the Jesus I know is resurrected and he has a completely different, uh, um, paradigm of things and you only know him uh, through the flesh and I you know I'm not interested in that after that three-year period it says that Peter and Paul finally met and spent about three weeks together and sort of compared notes but but they even then they still never really did accept him and as I have told you before uh, part of the reason the Gospels were written, because the Gospels were written after the Epistles. The Bible is not in chronological order. And um, somebody else at the table said last night, you know, if you read the Scriptures in chronological order, Paul's Epistles are very different. I'm like, yeah, I know. Anyway. <laughs> um Anyway, uh, you think people have heard you, and apparently they haven't. But anyway, um, uh, we're not exactly sure why the the Bible books are in the order that they're in. They are what they are. It is an interesting read if you're that if you're that into it to read the the books of the Bible chronologically because it sort of paints a very different picture. Anyway, bottom line is Paul wrote his epistles first. And the apostles, I don't know if they just didn't read them or weren't aware of them, but most of what we have as modern Christianity was Paul's invention. Uh, Christ, uh, the apostles, they seem to have very different um, priorities. And the way they talked about Jesus' teaching, Jesus' teaching was very different from Paul's teaching. If you, uh, hey, bud, come on in. If you say, well, wow, it sounds like, you know, Paul never read the Gospels. Well, he probably didn't. I mean, he, he was he was going completely on Revelation. And um, so what happened is, you know, those original apostles believed that Jesus was coming back in physical form in their lifetime. And when they saw that wasn't happening, and some of them were getting older and dying off, they sort of got together and said, let's... Um, we need to, this Paul is, he's got too much influence. We, we're the ones that really knew Jesus. Let's, we, we need to write the, the account of record. And so that's why the apostles, I mean, the, um, gospels of the epistles sound so different. What's that got to do with this? Well, he's writing this to the Corinthians in defense mode. He's saying, I'm always having to defend this to you. And the reason he brings in this thing about the supernatural is he's saying, I have apostolic Miracles, apostolic gifts, apostolic anointings. My, my ministry is just as supernatural as Peter's and John's. In some ways, even more so. And so what's happened now in retrospect, 
with the Gospels and the Epistles, we have sort of a more composite view of Jesus pre-resurrection and post-resurrection. Is that too pedantic? Are y'all still with me? All right. I'm saying all that to say, look at what he says here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read it in verses 1 through 4. And this this is a translation I, I don't use all that much, but it's, it's uh, Young's literal translation. And he says, to boast really is not profitable for me, for I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. So what he's saying is, is um, you know, these guys um, saw Jesus in the physical body. I see him all the time. What I see now as Jesus is just as much Jesus as the physical man that they knew. In some ways, he's saying, I know him better than them because they have a limited view of of uh, who he was. I see him now in his resurrected glory. And so, you know, he's basically saying, I would argue that my vision of him is even greater. That's up for debate. But what he says here, he says, I had visions and revelations too. And then he says, I have known a man in Christ 14 years ago, Whether in the body I have not known, whether out of the body I have not known, God hath known. That's That right there, that sentence is the most important part of everything I'm talking about this this, uh, month. Come on in. Uh, Because he's saying, this revelation I had was, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. And his, his implication is, it's immaterial to me. He said, it doesn't matter to me if this phys- if I physically went to a place called paradise or if I was out of the body, because to me, it's all, it's all the same. The reason I want to drive home that point this month is I'm, I want us all to get to a place where in the body or out of the body is irrelevant, that, it, that there's like an eclipse of the spirit realm and the natural realm, and the two of them are coming together, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Was it a dream or a vision? It doesn't matter. Because if it's a dream or a vision, it's still real. Uh, faith is still real even if there's nothing. You know, it's, it's the evidence of things not seen. Okay? So um, he goes on to say, such an one, and you know he's talking about himself. He says, such an one being caught away into the third heaven, and I have known such a man, again, whether in the body or whether out of the body, I have not known, God hath known that he was called away to the paradise and heard unutterable sayings that it is not possible for man to speak. So what he's saying is, he said, I had this thing that happened to me 14 years ago. He's basically saying it was like an alien abduction. He says, I was just minding my own business and suddenly I'm in this other dimension. And he said, all these years later, I can't, I can't say for sure if I physically left my body or if... If I was in a dreamlike state, I don't know. But it was very real, and I heard things that I'm just now... He he even still did not fully say what he heard. But he said it was so unutterable that I'm I'm just now getting to where I can talk about it. And when I talk about it, I speak of myself in third person. Because I'm I'm not even totally sure it was me. Have you ever felt the Spirit use you in a way... That once the thing was over, you think, was that even me? I don't even, that doesn't feel like something I would have done. Like I, I, I learned a long time ago, especially when I used to operate in more of the vocal gifts and stuff, I would just, I, I, I learned not to overthink, overthink things, because if I overthought them, I would, 
my logic would talk me out of it. And so a lot of times I would just go ahead and I would just obey quickly. And then later I would think, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> I mean, I look at some of the stuff I used to do on these streets out here uh, early on in my ministry. And I think I, that doesn't even seem like, I mean, I was like 14 years old, you know, talking to like drug addicts and prostitutes. And I mean, I had no concept what I was into. And these amazing things would happen, and I'd pray for people, and, you know, I, I remember a period of years where I, I wouldn't go to sleep at night unless I had led somebody to the Lord. That was my vernacular then. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't go to bed tonight. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't led anybody to Jesus. And I'd get up, I'd go knock on somebody's door, and, and I could close the deal. I got so good at it, I could, I could get you saved in about five minutes or less. I I think I got um I think I got a little uh full of myself about it too because I was you know I was just I was just really good at it. <laughs> Sometimes I would stand at a red light, I've told y'all this, but I'd knock on people's windows like homeless people do now. And um I would say, uh uh, can I just speak to you? And I'd reach right inside their car and say, you know, uh I'd reach right in their car and say, um, all right, everybody look up here. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't remember. Let's, let's go on. Um, let me show this to you in um, the, this is in the Jonathan Mitchell New Testament. Same passage. He says, it is necessary for one to boast from time to time. So I will proceed in coming into the subject of visions and unveilings of the Lord. Now, as I've told you before, the JMNT is very, um, very wordy. What he does in his translation is he takes every possible meaning of an original Greek word and he shows you, here's all the possibilities of what this could mean. So, um, he, so let, let me show you how he talks about this. He says, I will continue moving on to sights, apparitions, and appearances, as well as revelations and disclosures, whose source and origin are the Lord, or which are the Lord. Let me go back and show you this. Sights, well, go back, please, Michelle. Sights, apparitions, which usually when people talk about apparitions, they, they're talking about ghosts. This is not a series on, do I have a ghost in my house? Um, although I could tell you some stories when I lived in, a hundred and something year old house in Covington that would probably convince you that we did have some energy there from people that had lived there in previous decades. Um, nothing evil, nothing dark, but definitely, definitely something going on. So he says, I will continue moving on to sights, apparitions, and appearances, as well as revelations and disclosures, whose source and origin are the Lord, or which are the Lord. And it's interesting because he says, what this reminds me of is in, in uh, John chapter 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What Paul is saying here is, I'm going to tell you about these supernatural things that have happened to me, and they are the Lord. Like, that's how I know God, is through the supernatural intervention of things that have happened. Uh, again, if I may quote Einstein for the bazillionth time, two ways to live your life. One is as though everything is a miracle. The other is as though nothing is a miracle. Uh, 
And uh, I'm going to always lean toward the everything is a miracle scenario. So that if, if you ever, ask, I'm going to tell you the answer. If you say, hey, this thing happened to me the other day, and I'm not sure, was this, uh, I'm already going to say yes. Because if you're going to finish that statement saying, was this a miracle? Yes, that was a miracle. Well, I know, but so-and-so said it was a fluke. No, it was a miracle. Paul said, this is how I knew the Lord, through sights, apparitions, confirmations, synchronicities. And I will tell you this again, the more you see it, the more you see it. The more you see it, the more you can see it. People who don't see it, don't see it. Do you know what I mean? When somebody says, oh, stuff like that never happens to me, I think, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't. Because you don't notice it. You know the, um, you remember the joke about um, the guy whose house was flooding? And, uh, the, you know, the people in the community, there was a, a big flood coming. And people in the community said, you have to evacuate. And he says, no, God's going to deliver me. And uh, so the, the water kept rising and people drove by in a truck and said, you need to get in this truck because this water is going to overtake your house. And no, God's going to send deliverance. So the water keeps rising. Finally, it's up, you know, nearly to the rooftop. And somebody paddles by in a boat and says, please get in the boat. You're going to drown. He says, no, God's going to deliver me. And then find the water keeps rising. He's standing on one little part of his roof that is still above water. And a helicopter comes down and says, we're going to throw down a ladder to you. Please get in the, please get in the uh, vehicle. And he says, no, God's going to deliver me. Well, then, you know, the water finally overtakes his house and he drowns and he goes to heaven. And he says to God, why didn't you deliver me? I told everybody you were going to deliver me and you let me drown. And God says, I sent you a truck. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. And uh, it's all a matter of perception because if you don't think things are supernatural, you'll look at supernatural deliverance and think, oh, well, that was just lucky or that was just chance or, you know, or whatever. I'm telling you, there are so many um, things that have happened. You know, um, I'm not going to tell you the whole story about when we lost Jonah on the on the subway when he was five because I've told it too many times. One thing that I haven't told that much is years later when I was telling that story, a man came up to me who had been a New York City cop. And he said, do you remember what area of town that was? And I said, yeah, I remembered what the where the train was. He said, I was the cop called about your missing son. And this was years later. And he didn't know it. He said, I've never heard that story before. I said, I've told that story a bazillion times. And he said, hey, did something happen to your arm? (laughs) Um, And, uh, but I thought, how, what are the odds that a thing like that would happen? And I could tell you story after story after story after story. Like, um, uh, when my dad was in college, he had a um, uh, automobile accident uh, around Hiawassee, Georgia, and he went off a road, and his car went head over, whatever you say, all the way down, uh, and and he fell out of the car, and the car landed on his leg, and he was and he was he thought he was dying. And he said he was there for hours, pouring down rain. He's at the bottom of a ravine. And before day, 
some hunters came through and found it. They thought, because so many cars used to fall off of that curb, they weren't even sure anybody was in the car. But they went and checked it, and sure, because there were cars down there with skeletons in them. That's how long people, you know, would be abandoned. And so he had told that story. My whole life I used to hear that story about how he was supernaturally um, delivered. And years later, when I met Debbie, she was telling me one time about her best friend who lived in Hiawassee, and she used to always go spend the weekend at their cabin. So one day, uh, when, we, when she and I were together, we were having dinner with my parents, and, and Dad was telling that story. And when they got to comparing notes, she realized her best friend's grandfather was the person that had saved my dad's life back in the 50s. You say, well, that's just a fluke. I don't know. I'm going to have to put that in the miracle zone. And what, when things like that happen, what it says to me is, you know, you've been watched over your whole life. And there were uh, people that came along right at the right time. And, um, uh, well, Beth, you know some, somebody who you used to know. When I was talking, remember she said, I, she remembered me teaching when I was, she said, I remember this skinny white boy speaking at a, you remember what I'm talking about? And she said, one day I was I'm hearing you talk, she said, did you ever preach at the Five Points Station of Mardis all the time? Hey, come on in, come on in. About time y'all got here, I'm, I'm taking back the curse I put on y'all. <laughs> I didn't, I've never cursed her. And as she said, you were talking about it one day and I, I realized, Oh my God, that was you. And I mean, I, th I have stuff like that all the time. One time, um, I used to have a guy that, uh, I'd go to um, that uh, he had a shoe shine stand at Lenox Square. And that, that was back in the day when I wore a suit six days a week. So if I was ever at the, at the mall, I'd go shoe shine. So we developed a friendship and we talked and I knew him for years. I mean, you know, I, I'd go in there for years and years. And one day, uh, he said something to me. He said, you know, I've known you a lot longer than you realize that I've known you. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, uh, I've never told you this, but years ago when you used to come to the Atlanta Union Mission, I was a homeless guy. And I, what he said, I got saved in your meeting. And my whole life turned around. And, you know, I got off the streets. I said, how come you've never told me this? And he said, I don't know. I was just embarrassed. I said, all these years I've known you, and I never knew that uh, I knew you back then. And um, another time, some of you from Con, you remember that Midway that used to come through, come through once a year. They put like a little fair up there in the parking lot of whatever. It's been replaced now. But uh, I remember when Jared and Christina were little, I took, uh, I took them to ride some of those little rides. And the guy that was taking our ticket, uh, he said something to me. Um, he, said, I'm, he said, no, there's no charge for your ride. I said, how come? He said, you wouldn't remember this, but I used to be uh, a homeless guy. And I remember you ministered to me on the street. I said, you recognize me? And he said, yeah, all these years later. And you know what was really cool? That night, this is back when we were still in the grocery store, uh, renovated grocery store. He, he came uh, to the building. I thought, what's this guy want? And he looked rough. I mean, you, 
I mean, he still looked homeless. I'll just say that. And um, he said, we're just passing through town. Uh, but he said, I need to pay my tithes. And I said, uh, okay. And I'm thinking, well, you know, what's he? He just did not look like he had any money. And um, he said, he said, tell me again what a tithe is. I said, well, a tithe is 10%. He said, oh, okay. So he pulls out this wad of $100 bills. It's like this. And he goes, pop, pop, pop. He hands me 15 of them. Just like that. He said, how much is that? I said, $1,500. He said, yeah, I think that's, I think that's 10%. <laughs> and I never saw him again. Um, but, you know, what are the odds that I minister to some homeless guy that years later comes to my church in Conyers, Georgia? And I could, as I'm telling you these things, I could just remind, I'm reminded of so many things that just happen where somebody, and you don't know it till years later. And they say, you know, that was, I just realized that was you, that was you that I met, that was you that I talked to. And, um, you know, it's kind of amazing, you know. And I'm telling you, the more you see it, again, the more you will see it. If you don't think things like that are miraculous, they just won't happen to you. And so if, if people have made the choice to not believe uh in miraculous intervention, there's not, there's not a lot you can um, do to convince them. Paul says, I'm convinced because this is my, this is my whole relationship with God. It's, it's, through, it's through the Spirit. It's not through a man who lived in Galilee. Uh, I know everything by the supernatural. Um, he says, I will continue moving on to sights, apparitions, and appearances, as well as revelations and disclosures, whose source and origin are the Lord, or which are the Lord. Uh, I am acquainted with a person in Christ more than 14 years ago, whether in body or in a body. I am not aware, whether outside of the body, I am not aware. God has seen and knows, or is aware, being snatched away and dragged off, seized and taken as such, as far as the third heaven or atmosphere. Further, I have seen and know such a person, whether in body or apart from the body, I know not, God knows, that was snatched away, seized and taken into the paradise, and heard inexpressible gush effects and utterances or unutterable sayings and results of a flow, unspeakable results of movement and flux, inexpressible matters and declarations, which are not being from out of existence to mankind for a human to or at any point speak. So what he's saying is, is I was, I was here and suddenly I was there, wherever there is. Um, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this where you felt like you were somewhere and then you were somewhere else. Uh, but this kind of thing may have happened to you and you weren't even aware of it. I remember one time, I only remember doing this once, but I asked, we had a large crowd one day, and I asked for a show of hands of how many people ever remember as a child hearing um, an audible voice speak to them. And it was nearly 100% of the hands were raised. And I asked them, I said, did that taper off as you got older? And everybody agreed. Because I remember, I remember playing outside as a kid and hearing my name called and that sort of thing. And, you know, you see that in the scripture. Who was it? Was it, uh, 
Samuel is in the temple. The Eli, he kept hearing somebody call his name, and he said, I'm here, and it, and it was the Lord calling him. Um, and I think before you learn logic, you know, like before you went to school and you had an imagination, and I don't know if your imagination was like mine, but I can remember, you know, I wasn't around children a lot, but when I was able to be, when there were some kids to play with, we would play things for hours. Like we'd get on the swing set and say, all right, the swing set is a, is a boat out in the ocean and we're surrounded by sharks. And we would play that for so long. I, I mean, I would feel terrified to get off the swing set. It would become so real to me. Um, and, uh, you know, as you get older, you, you learn, oh, well, I was just, I was just imagining that. When you're younger, imagination is, is very, very real. And I think there are things, I, I don't, I don't have any way to prove this. I've just read this. Some of you have heard it. As the story of the, the family that had like a sort of a five year old and then they had a newborn. I don't know if y'all have ever heard this story. And the mother says, uh, and it may be urban legend, I don't know, but I've read it in several places. Uh, the mother says that she walks in one day and she hears the five-year-old speaking to the newborn. And the five-year-old says, tell me what God sounds like because I'm starting to forget. Meaning, when we were in the presence of God, we knew God, we knew, we knew what God sounded like. Once we came into this earth existence, we, beca we became less and less attached to that unseen realm. And so what miracles do? Like Paul says here, I was snapped, I was taken. I was abducted. And I, I wasn't praying for it. It just happened to me. And there's a, a spontaneous, unpredictable um, side to miracles. I'm going to show you two sides of it because at the end, we're going to talk about how miracles come out of need. And they do. But then there are other things that happen that there's just, there's just no explanation for them. Why did that happen? I've had things happen in my life that now when I look back, I can't even explain why did that even, ha why did that even happen? I don't, I don't even like, like I, I don't know if you can relate to this, but this, the, this kind of thing will happen to me a lot. I'll hear from somebody that I haven't talked to since the early 70s, which is easy to do now through social media or whatever. But I'll notice for the next two or three days, I'll hear from several people from that time. And it's, it's sort of like, I don't know if it's like time travel or what, but it's like there was a rip in the, the veil between the seen and the unseen, and suddenly I'm very connected to people. I mean, it happens to me, it happens to me a lot. Where I'll hear from somebody and I'll say, that's so crazy that I heard from you because just yesterday I was talking to so-and-so that we knew from that time. And those are just, does that make sense to you? That, those little synchronicities happen all the time. And again, the more sensitive you become to them. Um, you know, I've used this analogy before, but I've fished some in my life. But I've done more deep sea fishing than I've done freshwater fishing. And because I haven't done it that much, I can do it. It's not one of my, <laughs> to my father's great chagrin. It wasn't one of my favorite things to do. 
Like when he'd take me fishing, he was, and this is the most wonderful thing in the world. And I'd be like, Dark Shadows is coming on at four o'clock, and I really don't want to miss this episode. I've already caught, I've caught several fish. I get it. I understand. Really not my thing. If you can, you know, bless his heart. <laughs> he should have had some more boys because I was not what, I was not what he was looking for. But, uh, but, but I could do it. I mean, I can bait a hook. I can, you know, I get it. But because I don't do it enough, like when I, you know, if I've noticed if I ever used to fish on a lake, I would always think I was getting a bite. When you start feeling the drag on the line, I'm always bringing that rod up prematurely. And I would notice that seasoned fishermen or fisher people would say, no, that's not a bite. You'll, you'll know when the difference. It's because they've done it a lot. When you've done something a lot, you get very sensitive to, oh, that's what that feels like. I don't, I didn't fish enough for me to know the sort of difference. There's a way that the, the, a current, even under a lake, will pull on your line a little bit. And if you're not familiar with it, it'll feel like something's nibbling on the, on the hook. If you fish all the time, you'll think, <laughs> amateur. Like, <laughs> that's not what that feels like. And, um, so what Paul is saying is, he said, I was sort of abducted and taken into a spirit realm. I didn't ask for it. And some, sometimes the greatest miracles in your life are completely unpredictable. Like, why did that even happen? And that's why you have to, to make sense of them and to create miracles as a lifestyle, which is really the main thing I want to get across to you this month. Uh, I want you to start noticing them. The reason I post every little, if it even just seems quasi-miraculous, I'll go ahead and post it or talk about it or share it because I want to talk up the supernatural. I don't care if people think I'm crazy. It doesn't matter to me. I want to, I want to um, develop that muscle until I can walk in the supernatural at will. I can go in and out of that third heaven back and forth. Okay, y'all still with me? All right, let me show you this um, quote by this C. Joyce Bell C. She says, and so people ask God for signs and wonders, yet when signs are given and wonders are performed, most can't even see them. I therefore believe that it's not signs people should be asking God for, but you should be asking God for for sight. I could not agree more. What? But that's that's my exactly my point. They're happening all the time. If you say miracles never happen to me, they probably are and you don't know how to notice them. You don't know how to see them. You haven't developed the finesse to recognize when a miracle is happening and sometimes it comes with that uh, that sort of uh, miraculous sophistication to know a miracle is trying to happen here. Sometimes you need to know when to take your hands off a thing to say something something otherworldly is happening here, and I I don't want to I don't want to pull this this caterpillar out of the cocoon prematurely because if I'll just let this thing run its course. Um, the you know the the miracle of the butterfly is going to happen, but you know if you're if you're a control freak, 
If you're a micromanager, you might be um, you might be getting in your own way of the miraculous. The miraculous might be trying to come to you all the time, and you just you're so clumsy you don't even see it. And I tell you this: if you're if you're feeling sorry for yourself or jealous that somebody else is getting miracles all the time, you're completely blind. Did you ever used to play this when you were a kid? You're hot, you're cold, like somebody's trying to find something. Like somebody's trying to find something like, you're warm, you're warm. Oh, you're warm. You're burning up. You're burning up. You're bur Oh, you're freezing. You're freezing cold. What, what? No, you're hot, 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 hot. Uh, you're cold. And, and that's kind of the way, um, that's kind of what I'm seeing in my spirit. It's like, uh, you got to know when to recognize them and when to, why am I wanting to sing Kenny Rogers? You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away and know when to run. Because you never count your money <laughs> when you're sitting at the table. <laughs> You know, they moved his body over here to uh, uh, Oakland Cemetery. He was on a waiting list. He was buried in, in Athens for about a year, and then they, he was on a waiting because they, they've closed Oakland. It's not, there's no new people going in, but he was on a waiting list. I don't know if they took somebody out of <laughs> But there's a huge, it's become the biggest, uh, uh, it, it doesn't look like anything else in Oakland. It's like a big homage to him there. But yeah, if you're, it's just like walking distance from here. Um, let me show you this. This is um, St. Patrick who, you know, St. Patrick's Cathedral and, you know, you know the, the famous saint. This is what he said. Um, Let anyone laugh and taunt if he so wishes. I am not keeping silent, nor am I hiding the signs and wonders that were shown to me by the Lord many years before they happened, who knew everything even before the beginning of time. Now, what he's saying here is very similar to what Paul said. He says, I don't care. He says, I'm going to tell you about the supernatural thing that happened to me. I don't care if you get it or not. It doesn't matter to me if you believe it or not. I'm telling you this happened. I'm telling you that this is, this is real. When I've told you so many times about my four grandparents appearing to me. That was, nobody can say to me, oh, you were just having a dream. No, I'm telling you, that was a visitation from the other side because it completely changed my energy that day. I was like, I got up, I was laying on the bed when that happened, and I got up off that bed bulletproof. I thought, oh, I'm fine now. I mean, I'm, I heard from matriarch from the other side that said, you know, this is, this is people's problems with you. It's not your problem. And I thought, oh, I'm good now. And I've been good. That was nearly 13 years ago. And I'm, I've been good ever since. That's when you know something real happened. You weren't just imagining it or wanting it to happen. No, it happened. That's the power of testimony. You know, the, the blind man who was or blind boy who was healed by Jesus, the, the court brought him in. They said, we want to know is Jesus good or bad? Because we don't, we don't really like him. And the kid says, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's good or bad. All I can tell you is last week I was blind, now I can see. Like He, he didn't even vouch for Jesus' character. He didn't say, I'm going to follow him now. He just said, all I can tell you is he can heal blind people. Or I can say he healed me. That's, all, that's the only information I've got to go on. 
And once a thing happens to you, once it's your testimony, nobody can ever take that away. Testimony goes beyond theology. Theology gets to the root of a meaning of a word or why did this person say this. Testimony is, I don't know, this, this is just what happened to me. I can't, I don't even have a, a scriptural precedent for it. This is what happened to me. And when something is unique to an individual, you can't really imitate them. You've got to go find your unique original thing that happens. Mir miracles can't be grandfathered in. You, you, you have to, they have to be first generation. The best that can happen to you is you can be encouraged by somebody else's miracle and say, well, if that happened to them, something can happen to me. But it's not going to be the same for you. Your miracles are custom made for you. Your, your miracles are about something that you need to know, something that you need to hear. Because here's the thing. The miracle is not just for the miracle's sake. The miracle is to teach you something, to show you something. If you keep getting miracles and it doesn't change your paradigm, those miracles are being wasted on you. They're supposed to change the way you look at a situation. I know this, that, you know, I can, I can go through head stuff like anybody else and deal with my own, you know, my own drama. But at the end of the day, I've had enough stuff happen in my life. I can, I can only get so low or so frustrated before something else kicks in. And I think, oh, come on, man. Think about, I start remembering all these things that have happened, you know, like if, if you've got a spouse that keeps thinking you're cheating on them and you've never given them any reason to think you're cheating on them, at a certain point you're going to, why, why, why do you keep questioning me about this? Now if, they're, if they've cheated on you a lot, then you might want to check that phone. <laughs> but my point is, if God's never given you any reason to not believe in supernatural intervention, then why, why can't you remember? Why are you treating God like he, she, it is unfaithful. Does that make sense? Like if, if God hasn't given you reason to doubt him, then why do you doubt him so much? Um, you know, you could say, I know, but this one really scared me, God. You got me really, you know. We were sort of at the 11th hour there. 11th hour doesn't mean anything. Jesus says, Lazarus' sickness is not unto death. Guess what? Lazarus died. <laughs> so Jesus goes raising from the dead and says, I told you the sickness is not unto death. I didn't say you weren't going to die. I was saying the sickness was not unto death. In other words, the healing is more powerful than the death. All right. Now let me, let me, put, some, uh, let me put some personal responsibility on you. We got grown people in this room today? All right. This is John 14, 12 in the voice. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will be able to do what I have done, but they will do even greater things because I will return to be with the Father. Now, what does that mean? 
What does that mean when he says, he doesn't even set himself up as, a, as an example. He doesn't say, try to do, he doesn't say, try to imitate me. He says, I want you to supersede me. And this is how you'll do it. I'm basically getting out of here. Now, I've never heard, I'm telling you, I'm the only one I've ever heard say this. So I'm my only source for this. But this is what I see in this verse. It's Jesus saying, if I don't leave this physical realm, you're never going to wean off of me. And you're not going to know that you have the ability to produce miracles yourself. As long as I'm here in this incarnation, you're going to wait for me to fix it. The disciples wake up Jesus in the boat. Don't you care that we perish? And he says, oh, you have little faith. What he was saying is, any of you guys could have stopped this storm. Why are you even, at this point, why are you even waking me up to do it? Um, it's interesting when I got this, this piece, I had this stabilizer piece last week, if you remember. So like, I was like this last week. And uh, my doctor said, you don't have to use it now. So it was like, it was wonderful, just like a wonderful feeling of freedom. He also said, uh, just be aware, the only downside is you will think you can do more than you can do. And just, because I can tell I've already been holding my mic today with my left hand, so there may be an extra ibuprofen later today, <laughs> because I'm not supposed to be doing that, but like, point well taken. That's exactly what happens. You start thinking, well, that didn't hurt. I can do that. It may hurt a little bit later. <laughs> And I will remember, oh, that's why he said, you need to keep that still as much as you can. All right, doctor. Um, but it's also very healthy to be doing that. You know, I'm glad to say, what? Let me smell it. <laughs> what? BJ, just ask if something happened to my... <laughs> but here's my point. Even if it hurts a little bit later today, you know what I will also think? Yeah, but I held the, I held the mic with my left hand. So that's also, it may smart a little bit. Okay, I get it. That's part of the healing process. But look what I can do. I couldn't do that last Sunday. And so, when Jesus said, if I don't get out of here, you'll keep depending on me for the miraculous. And I don't want you to depend on me. In fact, I want you to do greater things than me. I think this is the most ignored verse of Scripture in the entire Bible. Because most people are still, they haven't even gotten to God yet, much less them. You know, there's people still walking around saying, why hasn't God done so and so? And, they don't even realize, you, at this point, you shouldn't even be asking that question. You, you have the power to heal yourself. You have the, that's what, Jesus came to show you how it's done, and then he says, I'm going to leave, because if I don't leave, you're going to keep depending on me to do this for you, and you'll never walk in miracles. One thing, and I'm not going to tell you the story again of losing my stuff on the river, but I want to refer to that. When I posted about that, it happened what, about two years ago now, um, some guy, I don't know how he had access to my Facebook page, 
you know, there's always somebody out there that just wants to argue with you about, like, who, I don't even know you, what, what, who are you? And so he wrote on there, he said, why would God return all of your stuff when there's hunger in the world and suffering in the world? Why would you pray for that? Why wouldn't you pray for, you know, things that really matter? And I, said, I wrote back to him, I said, dear person who I don't know who I'm about to delete and block, I actually didn't say I prayed for it. Not that that would matter anyway, but what I said was, I called it back. Now let me explain, let me explain something to you. Jesus said things like, uh, I am the vine, you are the branch, apart from me you can do nothing. That's true. Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Um, from both the, the, the uh, Gospels and the Epistles, I, can, um, I could uh, show you lots of scriptures that say things like, it's not you, it's God. It's the power of God, it's not you. Don't take credit for it. And there's some validity to that. However, like I remember back in the charismatic days, you know, we used to have, my dad used to bring Catherine Kuhlman here to Atlanta. We used to have Benny Hinn come to our church. Uh, Vicki Jameson, a lot of these people, a lot of these names you might not even know, but these were like famous names in the charismatic renewal. And I would notice that every one of those people would always say, before they'd start praying for people, they would say, I want you to know I am not the healer. I am not the healer. Jesus is the healer. It's not me. And even as a kid, I think, well, if you're not the healer, then why did we pay all this money to bring you in and put you up in a hotel and pay for your airfare? Because if it's just healing that's just out there, if there's nothing special about you, why do we have to bring you in? Because, you know, it was a whole big deal to bring you here. We thought there was something, nothing against Jesus. I don't know. I just, somehow early on, I got a much bigger image of God than I think a lot of people have. Because I never thought of a Jesus who was saying, you know, when people get healed today, you better not, you better not let so-and-so get the credit because I'm the healer. Everything me, it's not them. I just don't relate to a whiny Jesus. I think of a Jesus who says, no, you're the healer. That's why I said, I'm going to show you how to do this. Remember when the, the people brought the, um, the man brought his uh, uh, epileptic son to Jesus. The first thing he did is he brought him to the disciples. And the disciples couldn't do it, couldn't t drive the demon out. And Jesus rebukes them because he's saying, I shouldn't even have to be dealing with this kind of thing now. You guys, because does anybody know what's the first thing Jesus did when he called the, those men to be his disciples? Anybody remember? He gave them power to heal the sick. He said, I'm going to give you the power to do this, meaning you don't have to have me around all the time. You know, one of the greatest thing, I'm, I'm totally happy to you know, agree with you in prayer when those of you who text me or whatever, I have no issue with that at all. I'm not telling you not to do that. I tell you what I love though is, and I hear people will say, I um, uh, 
wanted to reach out to you, but you'd already ta taught me what to do in this situation. I mean, you, you actually said that because you reached out to me when I got home and I said, Ken, would you text her and tell her I'm, I'm kind of full of painkillers. Let me get back there. And you said, well, I don't have to tell you. I know you're in agreement for what, because, and then later we did talk about the situation, but, but that was the right response. It's like, you said, I forgot you had surgery today. It's all good. We'll talk later. And we did. Uh, but your response was, I know what you would tell me anyway. Isn't that, and I'm, I don't put words in your mouth, but isn't that what you were saying? And again, I'm not, we all need people to reach out to. I'm not saying not to do that. But I'm saying there's something very cool when somebody, you know, somebody will say, I was going to reach out to you, but I already knew what you were going to say. And, or, or bottom line is, just give me a thumbs up that you know about it and you're in agreement. Like, you know, sometimes you just need that little extra vitamin B12 shot, you know, and, and that does make a difference. And if I just give you a thumbs up emoji, I'm not being dismissive. I'm saying I don't need to hear all the details. I get the general idea because you, you know how to do it. I do. Um, it was funny. Uh, last week, I wish I, wish I could y'all. <laughs> I wish I could have seen some of y'all's faces when I came in, because I think a lot of y'all aren't used to seeing me suffering. And so many of y'all were just kind of standing, staring at me. A couple of people said, are you in pain? I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> because you're, you're not used to it. You're used to, it's like finding out your parents, you know, are human beings. You're like, no, you're the... You're the one I call when I'm suffering. I don't know, like what. <laughs> uh, and what he's saying here is, I want you to know how to do this. It's not that I'm not touched with the feelings of your infirmities. It's just I want you to do even greater stuff. I'm not intimidated by. It. You know, when I was in Bible college, they used to tell us things like, uh, you know, all people's minds, uh, their eyes off of you. Because you want their eyes on God. Always make sure they know that it's it's God and not you. You don't want to overshadow God. And I remember thinking, man, y'all really have an anemic God. I mean, a really anemic, petty, easily threatened, immature God. Because on my best day, I don't even think I could overshadow God. I mean, God's God. I mean, I, you know, I mean, just because I preached a good sermon or sang a good song, I don't think, I mean, really, are people that gullible that they'd be like, you know, we used to believe in God until we saw him. And we saw him. We were like, that's all I need. Like, I don't think, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I mean, if anything, if if God does flow through me, that should make you see God even more. Not, I mean, especially those of you that know me really well, you ought to be amazed. Like, how could God use a guy like him? <laughs> I mean, as transparent as I am, it ought, to, it ought to convince you, like, apparently there is a God, and he can use anybody. Because if God could use that guy, then I guess greater works can I do. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it you know, makes you say, 
We don't need to pray anymore. We just need to text him. I mean, that's crazy. How did people get such a sad God? <laughs> I just think, you've got a real, your God needs some help. My, my God's like, no, go, go do your thing. I want you to do greater, greater works than me. I'm, I, this is why I got out of the way so that you could manifest your divinity. And then let me show you this in another translation. This is in the message. He says, the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. I mean, the, the best thing a true minister can do is to wean you off of him or her. To show you, and, and if... If I do refer to my own stories a lot, it's because I want you to say, look, this is what happened to me. I only know my personal experience, but I'm telling you this so that you will have your personal experience. Your story is going to be as remarkable as mine, and I want to hear your story. Uh, but I'm not telling you that to think that you can't have it. The whole point is to say, this will work for anybody. Now... This always, anytime you talk, teach along these lines, there will always be somebody who will say, well, if we had that kind of power, we, sh we could walk into any hospital in the world and pray, heal everybody there. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't just go to, you know, leper colonies and empty them out. He always dealt with people one-to-one. -one. What do you want? What do you, you know, so if, if you walk in the miraculous, does that mean you're going to save the world? No, it means you're going to affect your metron, your sphere of influence. Wherever you have power and ability, you'll know what to do in that situation when the situation arises. And the best that I can do for you is to inspire you to find your own way. Let me tell you, this is what happened in my story. I'm not telling you this so that you will take my story. I want it to stimulate your story. I mean, if you've ever heard Wellington's entire story, it's miraculous how he got out of Liberia at that time. There was civil war going on and people he knew who had the same tribal tattoo as him who were being, who were being uh, executed. And, it, I mean, it was just one of those timing things. If he had been a little bit earlier or a little bit later, he would have been, they would just shot you, right? Isn't that what they were doing? There were people that you knew that had been executed, right? Now see, my story's nothing like that, but I got, as many times as I've told that, I still have chills. He said, and this is sad, but he said he could see the bodies of people floating in the water who had already been executed. I mean, you know, when, when they have civil war like that, and people aren't playing, they're just like, I don't have time, you know, yes or no, and just that guy who was like an angel. He was like an angel who just appeared. How does that happen? Because you had the tattoo on you that would have gotten you killed, right? 
And this guy, out of nowhere, walks up and says, no, let him go. Well, and so here's the thing. I don't have any story that's like that. Uh, and that's my point. Don't you feel the power of that when he said, and probably something will happen this week that you'll need something and you'll remember, well, if somebody could walk out of, I mean, when there's bodies floating in the water, it's hard to believe for a miracle, but you don't really have a choice. It was, it was horrible. I remember reading about it. Um, and so sometimes you have to, I'm sure there have been times in your life where you've needed to remind yourself of that. Like, well, my God, if that could happen, then anything can happen. Exactly. And that's the whole thing. you got to have, keep your stories in your pocket. You know, I've never killed a giant, but I killed a bear and a lion. I'm assuming it's the same basic, you know, whatever. Uh, so you got to remember your stories. you got to remember your testimony stuff. All right? Um, and then I'm going to, I think this is my, isn't this number seven? Yeah. This Jean de la Briere says uh, this. And this is very simple. But out of difficulties grow miracles. Now I know that's really simple. But this is what I want to leave you with. If you say, well, we're going to need a miracle now. Well, then get a miracle. Well, we're going to need a miracle. Okay. Then get a miracle. You know, Mary comes to Jesus and says, they need wine. And Jesus is like, okay, well, so. And she outs him. Whatever he says to you to do, do it. And so he's all right, bring me some water. He got the miracle. Now, we've all got things in our life that didn't happen the way we thought they should. I'm sure as I'm teaching that, this, you probably have some story like, yeah, well, so-and-so didn't get the miracle. Look, I don't have all the answers for that. All I can tell you is the only way is forward. And you have to learn from mistakes. You have to learn from things that I don't know why that didn't work out like it should have. And there's some things I don't have the answer to and you're never going to have the answer to until you get to the other side. That does not, however, give you permission to opt out of the miraculous. Just because it didn't happen last time doesn't mean it won't happen this time. Um, Jared told me this uh, Wednesday night. was a week ago. I was having dinner with the boys. And... Um, all these years, you know, he's, he's about to have a milestone birthday. And all these years, he's never been, he's never been to a doctor. Not since he was, when I, he was little and I'd taken him to the pediatrician. I mean, he's had quite a journey. And he just wouldn't have had a thorough physical. And there, there's no way to tell you how he abused his body. He wouldn't mind me telling you this. But he, 
perfectly healthy. He said they checked everything and he said the fact that I don't have brain damage or liver damage as much as as much alcohol as I've ingested. Um, I mean, I don't even know how he survived. When, you know, he has, to, he has to tell me in bits and pieces. I'm like, okay, okay. That's all. I knew something was up. I didn't know it was that bad. And after he told me that, I said, Jared, do you realize what a miracle that is? That you... I mean, he, he doesn't even have to do this, but he works. He does landscaping just because he doesn't like, he likes to stay busy. And he had a little bit of a, uh, not a heat stroke, but the other day it was, you know, he had a little wake-up call that like, it's really hot out there. You might want to, you know, take it easy. Uh, but I said, that's, that's, ama- that's miraculous that, that you even, made it this far that you live to see this birthday and you got to remember all that stuff you got to remember your miracles and hold them close and and take them out of the jewelry box once in a while and look at all of them because sometimes you forget even just um it's not exactly the same thing but even yesterday going through all those nine years of pictures and i thought well you know metron's really done a lot we really you know, all the events we've gone on and 18 um, meditation weekends and all the guest artists we've had and the great reading all your comments over the years. It's like, well, Metron really mattered. It really was, it was really something. And I'm not, I'm not speaking of the past tense. I'm just saying I was looking at it and it really built my faith up. That's why when I came in today and the crowd was really small. I'm like, ah, whatever. <laughs> I know. Well, early on, there wasn't. <laughs> but it, but it, but the the fact is, doesn't even. You know, I'm like, no, it's it's all good. You know, we're it's all good. So, if you're in the middle of the difficulty right now, you need a miracle. So, guess what? Get your miracle. Well, how do I do it? I can't tell you how to do it other than start noticing how many miracles there already are. To them that have, more will be given. If you look at it and say, look at your life and say, here's just one more thing that I've got to go through and, you know, nothing ever works out for me. Go to the other Go get in the other line. You're not, no, no miracle is going to happen for, to, miracles do not reward self-pity. The way miracles work is you say, look at this, and look at that, and look at this, and look at that, and there's another one, and there's another one, and honor it, and respect it, and praise it, and the more, it's like you, you get that pump primed, and then, the miracles start happening. That's why there's some people you think, man, every time I talk to you, you've got some other new victory that just happened. Yeah, because they stimulate that hormone. You know what I mean? It's like, I know that's not the way to say it, but it's like that's they're, they're triggering that apparatus all the time to live in the miraculous. If you sit around complaining about a situation, all you're doing is 
putting yourself further and further out of the miracle zone. So that's what I'm going to leave you with this week, this month. Did you get anything out of this? Let's all stand. Somebody tell me what you heard this month. What was what stood out to you that you heard? Yeah, Dale. It's a lesson in every one of them. Yep. Right. Same principle as if uh, harvesting something that's not that hasn't it hasn't matured yet. And so what what I know, like there's certain things in my life I think. Well, I see that sort of miracle ish. It's not, I don't know that I'd quite call it a miracle yet, but it's, it's miracle adjacent. So I'm going to start noticing that because it's first the ear, then the full corner of the ear. And there, so when you're tempted to pull that thing out, like, no, just wait. And like you said, let nature show you. When Jesus said, go consider the lilies, he wasn't being poetic. He actually said, go take some time off and sit in the field and look at a flower. It's going to show you some things that clearly you need to know. Those of you that are going next weekend will learn stuff from the beach. I don't, no matter how many times you've been there, something, the tide, the ocean, the something will teach you because it always does. Somebody else, what'd you hear? Run. She, she could have gone on many times, but she had to learn it for herself. Perfect. Well, and that's the whole thing about miracles come out of difficulties, because the tin man says, why didn't you tell her? She says she wouldn't have believed me. She had to learn it for herself. Somebody else? Yeah. concert um, a couple weeks ago and um, happened to run to this actually he ran into me he found me it's a guy I had worked for I mean, had worked with maybe 10 years ago and he happened to see me walk by he says I told my wife that I think that's Carl I'm going to go see him you're in the right place at the right time and so you have to notice him and that's my point some people would say well that's not a miracle well it's miracle-ish so if you happen to be at the right place at the right time and a thing happens, then notice it and, and turn the water into wine. I mean, it may look initially like, I don't know if there's, is that miracle? It can be. You can turn it into something miraculous. Anybody else? Beth? Beth? 
coming into my space, I keep thinking, the spirit is, you know, the universe is conspiring in my favor. God's working everything to my good. So even if I don't understand it right then, rather than seeing it as something negative, I'm immediately trying to reprogram my brain. So important. Because yeah. if you, once you get that mindset, like, oh man, now what? Once you get into now what? Now what fresh hell is coming up? You're, you're in big trouble. You have to say, well, I don't know how it's going to work out, but if God be for me, who can be against me, or the universe is conspiring in my favor? Absolutely. All right. That's good. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's do this, and then I'm going to let you all go. Uh, Contributing outro. to Metron is quick and easy. You can give any time using any smartphone. Text the amount you'd like to donate to 404-620-5044. You will then receive a notification that you successfully completed your donation. You may also visit visionthenow.com and click the support tab to give there as well. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment into Metron. If you have a check, just make the JESM and uh, Avery can take it. If you have cash, just pay it forward and go bless somebody. Uh, I, I harness the power of this series and speak miracles into your life every day of this week and for the rest of your life. We call it done. Amen. Now, remember, next Sunday, we shan't be here. So don't drive over here. You'll be sad. You'll open up. It'll, it'll be empty in here. We'll be, we'll be, uh, and it's not too late to go. If you, if you want to go to uh, Meditation Weekend, you can still, there's still time for you to make your plans. All right. God bless you. Go in peace.